Let's listen uh, to God's holy and infallible word beginning uh, at verse 12 of 2 Peter 1. So I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's God's word for us tonight. So, like I kind of said uh, when we started before the scripture reading, uh, we haven't been rushing through Second Peter um, because there's just been so much in those initial verses. And not that there's not a lot in all the verses of all of scripture, but we've been just taking our time to unpack. And, and what's been going on so far, if you, if you need to be brought up to speed a little bit, um, it's Peter's been talking about our precious faith. And if you could imagine like a, a beautiful, expensive uh, rug that you don't see the whole pattern until you have the whole thing rolled out, what Peter's been doing up until now uh, through verse 11, it's like he's been uh, very meticulously and slowly rolling out the carpet, as it were, bit by bit, and each bit is revealing more to us about our precious faith. We saw six beautiful characteristics of our precious faith. We saw the call to be growing in our precious faith, and we saw that we want to be growing in a balanced way, and we saw a number of very winning and powerful reasons to grow in our faith. All of that and probably other stuff that I didn't even catch, he's talked about. You can see all that in verses 1 through 11, or go to previous Second Peter sermons if you want some more detail. So I have, I have two daughters now with a driver's license, which it's, you know, it's a combination of a little scary. I think some parents are more scared than we are or were with 
kids on the road. It's more pretty awesome and super helpful to the whole family. One daughter is 18, the other one is 16. So when most teenagers, um, most normal teenagers that I'm aware of, when you receive your driver's license, you don't just like file it away. You don't frame it on a shelf like, look what I got, look what I accomplished. Most teenagers I know want to use that driver's license. They want to get in a car, drive to a friend's house, drive to the store. They even enjoy running errands for mom when they're first learning how to do it because they get to ride in the car. They can drive to practice, drive to school. And if they don't do that, I mean, what would be the point of having the license at all, right? Well, the, the, the big picture, really, you know, I gave all the details of 1 through 11, but the big picture up until now has been about Peter telling us about the grace of God in granting us faith and then our call to do something with our faith and not just put it on the shelf to admire and gather dust. And, of course, doing something with our faith, having an active faith, that's the desire of every Christian, right? We all want to have an act of faith and, and use the faith and, and not let it gather dust. Peter knew that God's people needed to be reminded of all of this. Verse 12, so I will always remind you of these things. In the very next chapter, too, uh, we're going to hear about false teachers in the church during that time who were using God's grace, God's gift of grace, God's gift of faith that's not something we can earn, but they were using it as an excuse to live however they wanted instead of living out their faith. These particular false teachers we're going to find um, put in a real strong emphasis on knowledge and intellectual truth, but without Christian living. And that's very ironic because they were, in emphasizing our minds and the intellect in faith, their goal was to prevent heresy. They didn't want heresy. They wanted to get it right. But it's ironic because it's literally heretical to say that obedience isn't needed in the Christian faith and life, right? So even though the Christians Peter is writing to knew these things and they were firmly established in the faith, says verse 12, they needed to have their memory refreshed, roused, stimulated. And in verse 15, Peter says he will make every effort that they will always remember these things even after he dies uh, and is with the Lord. So those first 12 to 15, verses 12 to 15 are about memory, they're about remembering, and, and, and you know, and we, we talk about forgetting and memory loss and remembering all the time in, in everyday life. I was just this afternoon talking to my dad on the phone and I couldn't remember the next thing I wanted to say, I'm like, I lost it. It must not have been important, you know. Um, kind of like 
uh, we, we talk about remembering, and it makes me think of the doctor who told his patient, I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, I do not treat amnesia cases. Our memory, not always, but sometimes, right, gets fuzzy, uh, whether we go through trauma or as we get older. There was a, a dear older couple who was starting to have trouble remembering uh, common everyday things, and, and, and they both decided that they would write down requests that the other one had made of them, and, and, and in that way try to avoid forgetting. And one evening, the wife asked if the husband would like anything. He says, yeah, um, I'd like a large ice cream sundae with chocolate ice cream, whipped cream, and a cherry on top. And the wife started off for the kitchen, so this and the husband shouted after her, aren't you going to write it down? She said, don't be silly. I'm going to fix it right now. I won't forget. She was gone for quite some time, and when she finally returned, she set down in front of him a, a large plate of hash browns, eggs, bacon, glass of orange juice, cup of coffee. He took a look and said, I knew you should have written it down. You forgot the toast I asked for. So memory, right, forgetting, they're a big part of our lives in general. But they're also supposed to be a really big part of our spiritual life, our life of faith. Our memory, in terms of our faith, needs to be refreshed all the time because we forget. Peter is speaking to people. Sorry about that. Peter is speaking to people he considers firmly established in the truth. And in our church family, I see uh, many people, we all need to grow, some of us more than others, but uh, we have many people, by God's grace, who I believe are firmly established in the truth. But even people like that need to have their memory refreshed. And really, the word here is stirred up stirred up. It's the same verb used to describe a storm on the sea in John 6 verse 18 where the waters were stirred up. So our memories need to be stirred up. Just having learned and knowing the truth is not a guarantee that we will remember it and that we will live it. When we believe and accept God's truth, join the church, make profession of faith, it's not right to think everything is just going to automatically flow perfectly from then on in our Christian walk. We've got to keep certain things before us every day. We've got to be reminded of certain things. And biblical remembering, like we've talked about before, is not remembering old memories. It's not paging through an old photo album, thinking back fondly about the old days. Biblical remembering is always a looking back in order to act today and in the future. God remembers his people in Egypt, we read, and then he acts. He rescues them. God's people remember God's promises and then act. They boldly enter into the promised land on the basis of remembering those promises, and they boldly go into their future. 
On the cross near Jesus, when he died, you know, there were the two criminals on his side. One of those criminals asked him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did that remembering mean? Action. Salvation. Jesus said, surely today you will be with me in paradise. And and so Peter, when he's talking about remembering, it's to be inspired to action, to use our faith, to live out our faith. This idea of remembering tells us about our own lives, but it also reminds us, and we need these kind of reminders, of what should be happening in the church, and even what pastors and teachers and elders and deacons are called to do. This main idea of remembering, okay? The church doesn't bring novel, creative, innovative ideas to people. Preachers and teachers are called to remind us of the truth. We're to remind people, bring them to the truth, and then so we can all be equipped to do something with the truth, with our faith. And and that's what the church is for in this world, too. You know, we're not here to uh, come up with some new and and crazy and clever ideas. We're not here to to think of some uh, good show that's going to bring people in. We're here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love, the same gospel as always. We present it in new and different ways, of course, and of course we apply it to the ever new and unique chapters of each one of our lives and to the unique chapter of culture and the history of the world, but it's the same gospel called to remember it, remember it. So how does the remembering happen? How do we stimulate? How do we stir up our memory? How does it get refreshed? And uh, 16 and on, Peter talks about that. Is he talking about we get ourselves stirred up with our feelings and emotions, with exciting new experiences we can have? with what other people have said, uh, the the logic and reason of the ages of mankind? No. Very simply, we stimulate our memory. It has to be stirred up with God's Word, with the Bible. That's where he goes. And as he talks about that, he's convincing us and his original readers of the reliability of, of this message that he's, that he's bringing. And he says, we did not follow cleverly invented stories. And that would connect with his readers there in uh, probably these people were in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey, in the Roman Empire. Uh, the Greek and Roman religions of the time, that's what was really per- pervasive. They were filled with stories. That was the religion, stories fables, mythology, right? You, you probably know of some of these. That's the religion. That's the faith that people were used to. Uh, but Peter's bringing something different, and he's saying how 
more how reliable his words that, that he's writing are. And, and he says, as a basis for that, he talks about being an eyewitness to the majesty of Jesus. And in that section about the majestic glory and all of that, huh, um, he's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, that awesome time that we read about in the Gospels that Peter, uh, with two other disciples, the ones closest to Jesus, uh, went up the mountain, and he says, the other disciples and me, we were eyewitnesses. We were there. We saw Jesus affirmed by his Father. We heard the voice from heaven. And you can't get any more reliable than that, than words like that, right? That's what you're looking for to close, to have a, a shut-tight case in court. Eyewitnesses, that's reliable. And then Peter talks, too, about the certainty uh, of, not just the, the, the certainty of the word of prophecy and how the pros, prophecies of men and women of God co have come true. They're reliable, they're certain, and how both of these, these eyewitnesses accounts and prophecies that were written that have come true, um, how they're all recorded in, in Scripture. And so it's God's reliable word that we go to in order to refresh our memory. He gives a, a couple of important characteristics about the Bible here as he gets near the end, but I just want to focus on, on one uh, because I think we'll find it helpful and it also points us once again to just where we place the Bible in our faith. Um, it's verses 20 and 21, um, and people have understood those verses in different ways. No prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. So the Catholic Church's interpretation of that is meaning that we can't interpret Scripture on our own. In other words, we always need the church to interpret Scripture. And that can be used, and I think has been used in history, to keep people completely dependent on the church. It's basically telling people who are part of the church, uh, you can't interpret, you can't figure out Scripture on your own. You need the church, and you need, furthermore, uh, the church's tradition of interpretation to understand it. It can only come through the church. No individual should be trying to figure out Scripture on their own. And that's a problem, uh, because what it does is it, is it sort of has a tendency to make the church an ultimate and final authority rather than the Bible alone as our ultimate authority. And, and by contrast, uh, we confess as a church in one of our confessions, the Belgic Confession, that we accept the Bible and the books of the Bible that are all listed there, not so much because the church says so, not so much because the church says these books are true and right, but because the Holy Spirit recognizes that and witnesses to it in our hearts. So 
what are these verses saying to us then? They're saying that no prophecy in Scripture, nothing in the Bible came from man, but it's all from God. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The writers of Scripture were used by God so that they were, uh, what they wrote is completely reliable and true. Um, And this all has to do with details about the inspiration of Scripture that we're not getting into tonight. But this is telling us that Scripture is absolutely reliable. It's ultimately not from humans, but from God. And, And that's the reason that we all can bank our lives on God's Word. The eyewitness reports, the prophecies, everything else, it's from God. It's God-breathed. It's absolutely true. And it's why we can be confident that when we refresh our memories with the Bible, we can be confident that we're refreshing our memories in the right and with the right place. So remembering, key thing, remembering, forgetting in our lives in general, but a key component of the life of faith, and we're stimulated to that memory through the inerrant word of our God. How are we doing there, talking about and thinking about God's infallible word in terms of our our personal and family devotional life, in terms of of gathering to hear God's word in, in the large group, like opportunities here Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, or thinking about hearing God's word, discussing it in smaller groups like youth group, Bible studies, so on and so on. Once we're we're committed to having God's word in our life at these various levels, right? The large group public worship, smaller group where we can discuss and in our own personal lives and in our homes, um, then uh, we need to take it a step even further, I think, and consider, in addition to just showing up for worship, showing up to a small group, opening up our Bibles for our devotions, consider also how prepared we are when we go to God's Word, when it's proclaimed, when we study it together, when we read it on our own. You can just come into it cold and it's not, you're not going to hear it the way you would if you give some preparation to it. And, 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 and we can consider, too, as we're reading it, as we're hearing it, about being very deliberate about having open hearts and minds to listen. The fact is that the stakes are too high for us and our church and our loved ones if we're not deliberate about all of this. Going and hearing, God, going to and hearing God's word. Uh, the chance of forgetting it is too great when we consider the world's messaging that's confronting us at every turn. The chance of forgetting it is too great when we consider our own sin and when we consider all the busy distractions in our lives. Because of those challenges within, And without, I want to tonight commit with Peter 
speaking as your pastor now, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth. And this is something our elders are called to commit to and to ensure as well, to make and keep Faith CRC hearing and experiencing God's word in all levels of ministry, in worship, in church life. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for um, the message from your word here in Second Peter tonight. I pray that um, we've heard it and that you would work it into our hearts and lives by your Holy Spirit. Oh God, make us a remembering people. Don't let us forget you and all of your mercies and benefits to us. Oh God, as we, we look to your word, uh, rouse up our remembering, stir us up, oh God, to remember your work, your love, your great salvation, your faithfulness to your people. Be faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to you in our lives as a church. In your name, amen.